right, tonight, turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. And just as a quick recap of what we've been doing over the last seven weeks, we've been going through this book, Scripture Diagram Graphics, Drawing Men to Christ, uh, written by a missionary, Doug Hammett. Um, when he went to Africa and realized some people might not understand a basic Bible study, like going through a lot of words, um, or maybe there's a language barrier or an education barrier. So before we did this Bible study, we looked at the four-week Bible study that he had written, and then this Bible study is actually a, um, a little bit broader version of that, or um, I don't want to say a dumbed-down version, but it, in that Bible study in picture form. So tonight we're going to look at diagram number eight. Diagram number eight, we're going to be looking at Colossians 1, 20 through 23, but as these diagrams do build on each other, so just as a reminder, last week we looked at Ephesians 2, 1, and 5, which was talking about how we are dead in our sins, and we have no relationship with God, um, frankly, when we're born and as we're living unless we turn to Christ. But we saw how that the gospel is the power of God to move us from that side of having no relationship to having a relationship. And that power of God, that dunamis power, is the gospel. And we saw that the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. But now, tonight, we're going to dig into that a little bit further and really how, um, really, the death of Christ. We'll mainly be looking at that and looking at Jesus because, I mean, that song, Jesus Saves, is the perfect song uh, as an entrance to tonight's study because. Yes, Jesus does save, and we're going to look at really why that those two words are important for our lives. Because we could go around to this world and tell them Jesus saves, but they don't know who Jesus is, or they don't really understand why they have a need to be saved. It's really a, a mute point unless... They understand who Jesus is and why they need to be saved by Jesus. And that's why we have Bible studies like this for people who, who don't understand that or they might understand some things, but I'm just trying to get people to understand what the Bible says um, in a basic way, like through pictures. So let's look at Colossians 1, 20 through 23 which says, And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight, if ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, 
and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, and there's the, that word again, gospel, which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. So when God created Adam and Eve, and then, then subsequently the rest of the human race through them, they had a direct connection with God. They had that full relationship with God. And every deep, in down, uh, deep inside of every one of us, we have a desire to have a relationship with God. We might not, as a, I think I said this last week or the week before, every man has that God-sized hole in his heart, and I'm, that's not an original thing with me. I've probably heard it from Pastor Doug, or I might have heard it from you, Brother Either I don't remember, but every man has a God-sized hole in his heart. We, want to have, we need to have that relationship with God, but man doesn't always know that is what they need. But um, without that, having that relationship with God, really, our purpose in life isn't going to be fulfilled. So we need to have that relationship established. Verse 21 and then our passage talks about us being sometime alienated, alienated and enemies in your mind. Because of sin, we are alienated between us and God. We are the enemy of God, and we can't have that perfect relationship with God that he created us for. So, before, before the fall of men, well, you're the enemy of God, according to this verse. Before the fall, Adam and Eve had this perfect relationship and had perfect fellowship and worshiped God perfectly. But then after the fall, uh, as this verse was talking about, enemies in your mind, their thinking got changed because of sin. It was affected by sin. And they no longer wanted to have that perfect relationship with God. They wanted to run their own life. So, because of that, enemies in their mind, we, man wanted to run his own life. This is after the fall. Man wanted to run their own life. And that wasn't just Adam and Eve, that's every one of us who are born into this world. And we want to run our own life. We don't want to be told what to do. We want things our own way. And frankly, we might not say this out loud, but we really don't want a God, no God in our life. And um, I was, when I saw this point here, I thought of the verse in Psalm 14, 1, which said, The fool hath said in his heart, There is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. I mean, when we say, There is no God, and I don't want God, honestly, we're being a fool. We don't want to submit to God's authority, and... For all intents and purposes, people become atheists. Like even some people, um, they might not say they're atheists, but 
they live. Like, there is no God. They want to run their own life. They want to have their own way. They're, they're an atheist. But, and if there is no God, then the Bible isn't true in their mind. Again, this is all in their mind because we are alienated between us and God. Our mind, our th we are thinking wrong. And man has these thoughts because we don't have that relationship with God anymore. And then when their thinking is wrong, when our thinking is wrong, we will act wrong. I mean, if you really think about it, every sin starts with something in our mind and thinking the wrong way, which then proceeds into action. And these sins will build up and become a barrier between us and God. Um, and basically, we're going to look through, look at five specific sins. Of course, there's many other sins, but the ones we're going to look at tonight, thinking about lies. There's that barrier between us, or covetousness. These might look familiar because we looked at some of these earlier uh, a couple weeks ago. There's stealing. And again, we could use many different examples. Anger and lust. Five of the Ten Commandments, and we could put all ten of the Ten Commandments up there. But these actions, these sins, are causing a barrier between us and God. But this isn't God's plan. Of course, as we saw in verses last week, or in preceding verses we looked at before, God has provided a way. He doesn't want us to have this barrier between us. So he wants, but rather he rather he wants us to be reconciled. That word, reconciled. God desires to have a relationship with us, and again, that, that's that's a really a mind-boggling thought. The God of all the universe who created everything wants to have a relationship between him and you, him and me, and everyone in this world. I mean, that's, that's just wow. And he wants to have that relationship with us. He wants to be reconciled so much with us that he created a way for that to happen. Uh, think about this verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. Jeremiah 29, 11, which says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. God really does long to be reconciled to us. And we can know this is true because of what he tells us in his word. So, how are we reconciled to God? Well, we sang about it earlier. It's through Jesus being sa uh, Jesus saving us. And that's through the blood of his cross. And you can see, I'm not going to fill this all in, but because of the blood of the cross, because of Jesus dying on the cross, 
this barrier between us and God can be broken. And through the cross, we can have a relationship with God. We can be reconciled to, to God. And the blood of Christ is that way that we can be reconciled. And this harkens back again to another. Again, I keep referencing older uh, ones we've looked at before. We looked at Behold the Lamb of God, and we saw how the examples in the Old Testament, there was the sacrifices, the ram there in the time of Abraham and Isaac, and then the Passover lamb, there the blood of those animals were shed as a picture, as a way to be like, okay, this is a picture of what's going to happen um, further on in history. And well, Jesus was the fulfillment of all that by dying on the cross, shedding his blood. And now because of that, we can be reconciled to God. And then next week, we're going to see the next step, the next diagram that explains, okay, now what, what's the next step? Okay, now we know we can be reconciled with God. When we're born, we're thinking wrong. There's a barrier between us and God. But God has provided a way for us to be reconciled through Jesus Christ's blood. And then we're going to see next week what the next step is um, with that. And uh, I know... We're just going through these one at a time on Wednesday nights. If you're dealing with someone one-on-one, -on -one, you might not want to stop at some of these. You might want to continue, but uh, we're just going to—we're just doing one at a time at this point. But next week, Lord willing, if I'm here, uh, we'll be looking at Second Corinthians five twenty-one, talking about for He hath made Him to be sin for us talking about Christ, and God hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So we're going to look at that verse next week.